The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that every week by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. This week, we have Toby Barlow. Toby Barlow is the co-founder and chief creative officer of Detroit-based creative agency Lafayette American. That's Lafayette American. Go Google them right now. He specializes in new business optimization, sustainability, design thinking, and company culture, intending to use the power of connection to encourage and inspire clients to the next level. Before Lafayette American, Toby ran the Ford account at TBWA, Shiat Day, and J. Walter Thompson. J. Walter Thompson is also known as JWT, in case you ever heard that. And he stayed there for 10 years. And he's received multiple awards, including Gold Effie, Can Lions, and One Show Awards. Throughout his career, he's worked with companies like Amazon, GoFundMe, Netflix, Merrill, and the ACLU. And outside of advertising, Toby has founded multiple organizations, including Vote Solar, which is a grassroots organization that supports green infrastructure investment throughout the country. Signal Return, which is a letterpress arts organization in Detroit, and Write a House, which is an organization that converts abandoned homes in Detroit into housing for writers. Isn't that incredible? And also, he has a 10-year-old design shop called Nora Modern, and he is the author of two, not one, two novels. So, This episode is fantastic. We discuss the age-old question of large versus small creative shops, how to break into advertising, and how studying philosophy and the classics can help you think big, not just for yourself, but for your clients. And you can see Toby's secret resources handpicked just for you on our Instagram, which is at breaking and entering pod. That's all word at breaking and entering pod. Now on with the show. You're going to love this one. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have Toby Barlow. Toby? Welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How the heck are you doing? I mean, come on, it can't be much, it can't get much better than where you're at right now. Yeah, no, I'm sitting lakeside on Lake Champlain, one of the most beautiful places on earth. So I'm feeling pretty good. Where is this a cabin? Is this where you go to write or to get away to escape? Is this your your Walden pond? What what are we what am I looking at? I, I like how it sounded. You sound like not Walden, not like Thoreau pond. It would sound like Walden pond, like you know, you built a wall around a pond. Um mm-hmm. I am uh you know, my grandfather ran a summer camp, a boys' camp. And um, so he shut it down in the late sixties and we just kept all the cabins and people kind of ramble in and out. It's kind of idyllic here. Can I come? Yeah. Cooper, our, uh, like our strategist on the show, he has the same thing in Colorado. His family has like Colvig Farms, shout out to him. And that's like, it's still running. And yeah. I'm like, that's the coolest thing in the world. It's in Durango. And, and where is yours at right now? It's just south of Burlington, Vermont. It's just south. It's, it's a really lovely place. But yeah, we got a cabin for you. If any of your listeners are, are want to stop by, just let me know. 
Yeah, we'll we'll definitely connect on that, but it truly does look amazing. So plug here, go to our Instagram. We'll have probably some social clips. You just gotta check it out. Give the people a spin around here if you if you don't mind. Yeah, no, it's quite yeah. quite lovely. That's that's the lake out there. Great. Yeah. Maybe if you have photos too, we'll we'll put it on the social. I'll definitely in some your way. Yeah. But so why do you go there? I mean, what, I want to get into who you are and your agency and advertising and all that, but like, just real quick, I'm curious, like what, what's the yeah, purpose I'm a big, for you? I'm a big believer in forest bathing, you know, that idea mm-hmm. that you walk through the woods and kind of get renewed and get regrounded and, uh, you go barefoot. I don't, um, they say that works, right? I guess that's a theory. I caught myself wearing Birkenstocks today. That was kind of, you know, as mm. close to being barefoot as I can be, but, uh, yeah. it's a good yeah. brand. It is a great brand. Um, but I, you know, I, I, ever since COVID and we discovered, you know, that we could all stay connected through Zoom, um, I discovered that I could actually stay close with my team from here. So I, I, I come out here for a few months every summer and, um, you know, it hasn't, hasn't blown them by taste yet. So team gatherings, I guess would be kind of fun too. I mean, we have had the some senior leadership team meetings. Yeah, we've had the, when we were very small, we had the whole agency come to camp here, which was kind of fun. And uh, then we've had groups since then. So yeah, it's it's a good, it's it's pretty easy to get to. You can fly into Burlington and get here. So it's nice. I love it. Amazing. Um, Yeah, probably just good to reset and, and get a change of pace. Because where do you currently work? Because you are the co-founder of Lafayette American. Yeah, Lafayette American is in a neighborhood called Core City in the city of Detroit. Um, we're about five years old. Uh, and yeah, Detroit's a fantastic city. Uh, I mean, I absolutely adore it. But, you know, it's so, not changed. So usually, it, so usually you're in Detroit. Is that, is that where your house is at, where you live full time? Yeah, I live in downtown Detroit. Um, I got a, um, I don't know if there are any architecture buffs out there, but I moved from Brooklyn where in my neighborhood, a house went for like, you know, brownstone goes for about 5 million. And um, I moved to a neighborhood where you can get a, a Mies van der Rohe. Uh, when I moved there, you could get one for $100,000. So, you wow. know, it was, I mean, that's that's the beauty about Detroit. It's a, it's like a great affordable city with lots of you know, kind of young, interesting people at it because they like it because they can afford it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um and it's fun. I mean, it's just, it's a good music town. It's a good food town. Some people enjoy it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it used to be in like a, like the automotive Mecca, correct? And it, it still is. might be. Yeah. It's still the automotive Mecca, but you know, automotive, uh, back in the day brought a lot of other things with a lot of culture, a lot of design. I mean, Alexander Girard right. was there. Charles and Ray Eames were there. Eric Saarinen right. taught there. I mean, you had like really great creative thinking, um, that I've really kind of enjoyed getting to like digging in and getting to understand. So the, 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 the culture and the history of Detroit, I mean, Detroit was kind of like, I like to say there were two lungs of America, uh, in the 20th century, people came in to this country through Brooklyn or they came in through Detroit. So yeah. anywhere you go and, you know, you run into people, you like, and, and, and there was a diaspora, right? So everybody left Detroit went all over the country. And so you, you, you find these connections to Detroit and these Detroit threads that you can kind of pull and discover all this history and all this kind of really interesting stuff. So it's, it's become a passion of mine. I really, I mean, I literally thought I was going to be there for about, I don't know, maybe two years and I've been there for about 15. There you go. And, and it's, it, it, 
home to a lot of great agencies as well. A lot of those were car clients because of that. I don't know what the current like state of the ad industry agency wise it looks like, but we're not here to talk about the other agencies. We're here to talk about Lafayette American and your role and your role there. So give us a high level overview. I'm reading your LinkedIn here. It says you're the, the, you're the CCO and the CEO of Lafayette American, which is a brand strategy design and marketing shop. Yeah. Yeah. So we started, I was previously, um, doing, uh, Ford. I was, I was the creative lead globally for WPP on the Ford account. Um, and it was interesting. I loved it. I loved the challenges. I love the people, but you know, it got to be kind of an HR job to a great degree and not really a creative job. So when I left, I like kind of looked around and I thought about what advertising has become, uh, cause it's obviously changed radically in the past 20 years. Um, and I started pulling together a team that I kind of thought would best meet the times, you know? So, you know, my co-founder, my chief innovation officer was a guy named Ben Bader and he had done, he'd founded a site called text from last night, which is a humor site. Text um, from last night. Got yeah, it. It's worth checking out. Um, okay. basically it was inspired by all the drunken texts you get into it from 2am from your friends. Oh yeah. They were oh, yeah. Next day. Um, and I just really liked the way he approached technology and, you know, media platforms and, you know, brought in also the, uh, a key design, uh, member from Shinola, um, and made her our head of design. She'd been one of the founders of Shinola, a uh, founding team rather. Um, and I really liked, I mean, that was, you know, one of the great American luxury brands, one of the few American luxury brands that's been launched, launched in the past 20 years. And I just, I really liked the way she thought. And I really believe that in order to kind of tell, you know, advertising stories, you have to be a design first agency um, because of the way that kind of storytelling is working in, in the modern era. So, you know, and then we got, uh, you know, one of my old colleagues, Doug Patterson came on board and, and we got Emily Siegel who had run the content studio at Ford, uh, which I thought was a really interesting skill set because they were, you know, the, the content studio was kind of digging in and focusing on these kind of hard to reach audiences for Ford, right? So mm -hmm. um, they were using new uh, platforms. They were, you know, doing some of the first major podcast advertising. They were kind of developing programs to talk to women and talk to uh, Hispanics and talk to just sort of these audiences that Ford hadn't had the best success connecting with, right? And they, so I, I kind of like the way that they kind of did more with less, um, cause they weren't given the big budgets they were given. A little scrappier. Yeah. Just really scrappier and smarter. I just thought that, yeah. and it turns out to have been kind of smart, you know, because people don't have the same budgets they had, you know, back in the day and they have to be scrappier. Right. So yeah, we kind of put together this dream team and, um, I've been building it out ever since. And it's, it's just been, uh, you know, really, really interesting, really fun, really challenging. Uh, and, and we're kind of blessed to have really wonderful clients. Okay. So we went into a lot there. You're sorry. Oh, you know, no, well, I mean, we went, we went back to, it's a good summary, but now yeah. I guess, um, the bullets here, you worked large WPP holding company, your, your top level there. Yeah. You, you made it to the top as a chief creative officer. What was that role again? Yeah, I was, I was chief creative officer on Ford. For Ford. Gotcha. 
and you were doing that, how long were you a part of the WPP system? I mean, WP, you know, I had a job uh, with JWT in New York and mm -hmm. my boss at the time would say to me, let's go mm -hmm. to a, a meeting in uh, San Francisco. Yeah. And we'd be in the meeting in San Francisco and he would say to the client, Toby's going to stay here for as long as it takes to solve this problem. Yeah. And I'd be like, whoa, you know, I, I, okay. so I'd end up staying like a year there, year and a mm -hmm. half. And then I'd go back to New York and then they'd, he'd say, let's go to a meeting in Chicago. I'd be in a meeting in Chicago and he'd be like, Toby's going to stay here as long as it takes to solve this problem. So I'd end up like living at the Four Seasons for eight months, you know, working on like one, you know. Hey, to me, that yeah. sounds amazing as a 25-year-old. It, like, it was, no responsibilities. Like, that sounds like amazing. But if you, if you like pos isolation, I mean, I ended up starting to write, I wrote, a novel in one of those hotel rooms. And then, and then he said, let's go to a meeting in Detroit. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to, I know what you do. You leave me there. He's like, no, no, I won't. Um, and uh, so I was there. I mean, I started working with JWT and WPP in about 2001, 2002. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, yeah. And then you worked your way up that, that large holding company model. Yeah. And you did really well. And I want to get into the advice that you have for that as well. But at, what was the point where you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Or I, I, mean, I want to develop that dream team. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just, you know, it was about, again, about five, six years ago, it was uh, time, time to do something new. And, you know, I think that it's, um, it, it's kind of interesting to decide to go into advertising these days because what you're. You know, back in the day, it was like, I'm going to make TV commercials or I'm going to make print ads that are going to be you know, brilliant and I'm going to make uh, radio commercials. And now there's just an infinite spread of what you're going to be playing with, right? Um, and what I, you know, I was actually, I never intended to go into advertising. Um, I just sort of fell into this business and at a time when you still could. Um, but I was a philosophy major. And what I found was, it was, it was, um, it hurt the same parts of my brain, you know, that philosophy did, right? Because when you study philosophy, you're studying like man's relationship to society, man's relationship to religion, man's relationship to government, you know, and then you go into advertising and you get your brief and you're suddenly like thinking about, you know, a woman's relationship to wine, a man's relationship to razor blades, uh, you know, a family's relationship to vacations, right? It's like literally the same things. And I love that kind of upstream thinking. I found it really challenging. And um, I think that really one of the things that helped me succeed was thinking about it in those kind of fundamental ways, thinking about it in those key strategic ways, and then just seeing where it led, right? And just seeing where it tumbled. Um, so that, you know, that, that's sort of how I, I did well, if you will, right. Was by thinking intuitively about what are, what are the most, um, basic parts of this problem, right. I, and, I, I think that's interesting studying philosophy and where, where'd you go undergrad? I went to a little tiny school that I kind of highly recommend called St. John's College, which is in Annapolis and in Santa Fe. And it's the great books program. University of Chicago has a similar thing, but it, everybody studies the same thing and you're, you're reading all original texts and, um, 
you know, I, I wanted to be a writer, so I was called the Great Books Program. So I went to it and I didn't realize that they were going to, it was very, it was going to be very little fiction. It was going to be most. What, what books? I actually was, I've been messing around with a little bit of philosophy and trying, I find it really interesting in my free time. Um, what, like, of those classics would you recommend to get the basics? I mean, it really depends how you want to approach the world. I mean, I think, you know, I'm a big fan of you know, Stoicism and Epictetus. Um, I really think that, I mean, he certainly takes it to a pretty infinite degree, but. Um, he was like the OG, like the original. He's right? the original Stoic. And yeah. Then, and the, but then Marcus took yeah, it over. Marcus, made it, made yeah. it. He made it. He made it cool. You know, yeah. If the Ember is into it, it must be good. Um. But I like, you know, I like Socrates. I like, uh, I, I think Aristotle, I think reading Aristotle is always a good idea because I think that it is, you know, and, and especially reading the poetics, the poetics is a really fun book just okay. because again, he's, you know, if you ever want to, if, if you really want to wonder why you care about art or, you know, why you care about drama or what, what's, you know, what's the human condition that makes that work? Um, it's a good place to start, right? What was that called? The Poetics? The Poetics by Aristotle. Is yeah. there a translation that you recommend? You know, I, I just, I re reread old translations, so I don't really know if there's a, a yeah. new one that's any good, but it, I mean, but it's fun. It's a, I mean, you, what you should do is read Oedipus Rex and then read the Poetics. Um, just in because, that order. Yeah. Because it, he's talking about, he talks about that play. Um, but, uh, it's, you know. But it, but it's universal. I mean, you, if you read Shakespeare, the, the rules of, of Oedipus and Rex apply to Shakespeare and, and those ideas of tragedy work. So you studied like th this great books program at St. John's, you said? Yeah, St. John's College. And that was like the major, like that was the program that you went through? Yeah, yeah. And the, Ellis, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, no, no, it's really, I mean, I, I mean, frankly, I, it, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of science too. Um, so yeah. It's kind of a wild program. Um, if I hadn't been such a stoner in high school, I probably would have read the brochure a little bit more carefully. But oh, that's probably what you were probably thinking big in high school. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking big. Um, but I think that it was, I, I do think that it really armed me well to think about advertising. And, you know, you don't have to study the great books, but I do think that you you want to be thinking, I think, I think clients, you know, they, they, they want to know you're thinking broadly first, right? They want to know that you're not just going to try to make a great ad, but you're actually going to think about all their problems and identify what are the key ones and, yeah. you know, really lean in a little bit philosophically, you know? Well, yeah, they're paying you to be a neutral third party that will examine their brand and think large and question the purpose of the brand and how it interacts with the world. And because yeah. I get so ingrained with a breaking and entering brand, right? And I think I know it all. And then I, I, I get lost in it and it's my own. I've been talking about it for so long. I think I know it really well. I would love for someone to come in and talk with me and consult, but then actually execute on a good campaign that does align with what I first established and that original architecture. And sometimes I get lost. Right. Um, it's like those branding fundamentals. And like, I guess that full philosophy major, you will, like could aid nicely to that, especially with some creative writing and then getting some, some experience. And I want to get into that too. Like, what was that first advertising experience for you then? You know, I, I wandered into, I was desperate for a job. I was going knocking on every door in San Francisco and I wandered into an agency. How'd you get to San Francisco? I just, I just decided to move there. 
I just okay. I, my best one of my best friends actually just moved over there from Chicago. Oh, really? I mean, it's a very different city now. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I I loved it. It was just a a, a very fun uh, place. Again, beautiful. It's beautiful. Very beautiful. Uh, I always I. I mean, it's beauty is kind of unnerving. I always felt like I was living in someone else's dream and they were going to wake up and I was going to disappear, you know? Uh, um, I actually like, I like living in Detroit because it feels like it's very much my reality. It's like, okay, this is a punk rock city and here I am, you know? It's like, um, but. So, so you're in San Francisco, you're knocking on doors. Yeah, I'm knocking on doors. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd been living in an ivory tower in school. I hadn't watched any television. I hadn't been paying attention. and. And this guy was like, yeah, this is the kind of work we did. And he showed me a reel. It was, it was an agency called Hal Reinian Partners. And, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they were doing really interesting Doesn't work. Doesn't get better than that in San Francisco. Yeah. At the yeah. time, right? I loved it. At that time, it was. Hal Reinian Partners. That's a good lesson. I don't know if they're still a thing, but I think. But yeah. Continue. Yeah. I mean, I think understanding what they do and, and, and their, you know, uh, temperament was really aligned to mine. I mean, I was, you know reading a lot of you know, the New Yorker in those days and reading a lot of Spy Magazine and they, that was their kind of tonality. And, mm -hmm. um, and I just, I gelled well with them. And, uh, you, and you just kind of met somebody there or. Yeah, I met, well, I kept on having meetings, uh, a guy named Kirk Citron, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, kept on making meetings to kind of help me and, you know, kind of mentor me a little bit as I was trying to pull and my. what were you going and saying? Like that you would take any job or. Yeah. Basically, you know, I'm, this is my background. My name's Toby. I love yeah. to read and write. What can I do yeah. here? Yeah. And um, he kept on being late for meetings. And finally, he felt guilty about missing meetings. And he's like, why don't we just hire you as a junior copywriter? You know, and there weren't sure. uh, there weren't a lot of portfolio schools at that point. Right. I right. Mean, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Those places hadn't really you know, gained traction and, and especially not on the West Coast. So Hal's idea was to kind of, as he put it, you know, start a farm team um, and kind of raise people up and teach them, you know, because he also was inheriting a lot of people who had kind of learned wrong. Did you, so did, did you work under Hal at the time? I didn't. Yeah. Which, which I was blessed. The people that worked under Hal, I hated Hal. Uh, they had a really hard time with him. He was, he was just a really tough guy, but. So I was sort of like uh, in more of a, a, a grandson role, you know what I mean? He was sort of a fun killer and, and nice and, and, and not as much, not just not as much hard and, and, and frankly mean to me. What were his Hall of Fame ads that he made? It was. I mean, he did Bartles and James commercials, which, you know, was a, a famous brand back in the day. That's uh, a beer, right? It was a, it was a sparkling wine cooler. Sparkling uh, wine cooler that yeah. he kind of, it was like. It was actually. Really, it's a really interesting story. It's a really interesting case study because wine coolers are coming out and their target audience, California coolers was the big one. The target audience were sort of like 22-year-old sorority girls, you know. Yeah, um, like a white claw. Exactly. And and um, Hal is like, okay, our advertising is going to be about two old guys sitting on a porch um, making jokes about how they just don't understand society today. And he made, they made just a ton of them. And, you know, it was Gallo and Gallo had budget. And so they bought a ton of media. And it was like a great case study of like, make entertaining work and everybody will love it, you know, and everybody will buy it. So they actually took what, what, what would have been a niche brand that only spoke to 
a certain demographic and they reached everybody. So suddenly everybody would, you, you'd find it everywhere. So mm-hmm. it was a great example of not just showing your target audience a mirror. I love it. Yeah. It. So yeah. I think people should definitely look in the Hal Reine, definitely one of the goats, I guess. Yeah, he was. He also did some really beautiful Henry Weinhardt's ads. He's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure yeah. that, you know, if you go and look, you'll find some great examples. But what a great agency to break into. It's not that easy nowadays, and I, I definitely yeah. want to get your take on, like, how we can do that. But that, but networking persistence, you randomly went to San Francisco. I'm sure maybe there was a significant other that you had. I don't know. Like, yeah. why? It was, it was sort of complex. I don't know. It was a lot. Live something, something, but you were fresh out of undergrad and you were like, All right, well, I'm going to go to San Francisco. And then family said, Sure, yeah, you know, what are they going to say? Yeah, and I was like, Do you know anybody? Can you introduce me to anybody? And people just sort of, you know, again, just like one degree of separation and knock on every door. I literally went from not having any job for four months, um, and kind of literally sleeping on people's couches to having, uh, four job offers in three days. And it was a range of mm-hmm. industries from working in publishing, uh, for magazines and working for environmentalists, uh, and working for another advertising agency. And then this, this agency. Yeah. Um, I bet people listening right now are a little envious, a little angry, I guess, uh, unfair. It's unfair. Maybe nowadays is to, I, I don't know. Like, to me, I'm like, damn, like, I wish I had that opportunity or created that for myself. And it seems like maybe it's harder nowadays. Or how do you address that? If that's what I people mean, are I, feeling I indignant? I, yeah. I mean, when I was born, there were 3 billion or 3.8 billion people in the world. And today there are 8 billion people in the world. Right. So it's like, it's a different competitive set. Yeah. And, and so back, that's, that's just, yeah. Whole it's, hard stats. Yeah. It's just maths. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it was a smaller world. Um, I but think you I'll, moved out there. I don't, I don't know. You tapped and you were persistent. So I give you, I give you that. And you, I was, I was very obnoxious. I mean, frankly, right. I was very, ha- you have to be. Yeah. I just showed up and I wrote a lot. I mean, I still like, I'm still a correspondent. I write like, you know, five postcards to people a week. Right. I mean, I'm like still trying to, I, I, I think that people get very isolated and, I don't really, I mean, I don't think entitles, entitled is the right word, but I don't think that you should expect anything, right? There are two things. One of my biggest mantras is that nobody cares, right? Nobody cares, right? If, you, if you're working uh, in advertising, if you're working for a brand, your first assumption needs to be that nobody out there in the world cares. If you're working on an environmental issue or a social issue, nobody cares, right? So, right. you know, if you're trying to get a job, you need to recognize that nobody cares. And yep. you, your job always is, your mission always is to make people in some way, shape or form care, right? I mean, I, you know, the best uh, new job story I've ever heard that I know of was Jelly Helm. And Jelly Helm was fresh out of school and he wanted a job uh, at Wyden Kennedy. And he sent them a little box and it said, you know, the top of it said, I heard you're looking for a copywriter, you know, for around $28,000. And it opened it up and Jelly Helm had written the check to Wyden Kennedy for $28,000, right? And it was just super charming, really funny, won awards, got him a job at Wyden Kennedy. You know, it was just, mm-hmm. a, it was a great concept. Um, he went on to have a great career there. Uh, so I think that it's like, that's what you kind of want to 
do is just think about ways that you can show up and, and, you know, it's the, it's, it's the fundamental truth of surprise and delight people. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, another, I think a way to look at it is write yourself a brief for yourself to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and come up with a concept and a campaign for yourself in some way, shape or form. Right. And in that brief should be the target, right? I mean, the target is, I mean, you know, I, I once was, you know, when I worked in Shy Day, I was talking to Lee Clow and I, I said, how did, how did you get a job at Shy? He's like, well, I knew it was the place I wanted to work. So I just kind of like slept in front of their door, you know, till they let me in. How is working with Lee Clow? Uh, you know, he, he, he dreamy. I mean, he, you know, he's, uh, he, he was, um, what client were you on? It's, uh, I was in the New York office and working on a range of things from, you know, Barnes and Noble to New York life to, um, yeah. you know, he was great. Comcast. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was in LA, so he, and he only yeah. cared LA, but when he came, he was, he was, you know, super, you know, smart driven person. Uh, you know, he is still, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a yeah. fantastic individual. Yeah. But it goes back to, I always say, first off, know what you damn well want to do when you graduate. And hopefully way before that, the sooner you kind of know the better in a way. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Right. I mean, if you don't know, don't give yourself a hard time. Um, but if you do know, but if you have an inkling, you know, pull mm -hmm. that, uh, chase that idea down, yeah. get some focus, right. If you want right. to, you know, I mean, when I first got out of school, before I went to San Francisco, I went and painted houses and, and, uh, you know, drove around and pickup trucks and, you know, went to. And those are all great experiences where they indirectly help you in whatever career. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, but to break into an agency, which is the goal of this podcast. Absolutely. For the most part. It's, it's best to know, I believe, and you can tell me if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong, but it's best to have some sort of idea of which route you want to go within the major disciplines. And then also then to know what agencies or, or even brand side, of course, that you want, would love to work for and why and what the work is and who works there. And, and that yeah. kind of helps when you do that research as well. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and, and what kind of, you know, what kind of passion do you want to have, right? What, what, what do you, I mean. What, you know, what do you want to sit at a desk really focused on? What do you want to obsess about? Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I, the reason I love, you know, kind of helping run an agency is that I love every aspect of advertising, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a gamer. And so I love media because media is the ultimate gamification, right? I mean, it's like, where do you show up? Where do you isolate and dominate? How do you kind of, you know, own the story? How do you drive the story through, through placement? I mean, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's an it's an obsessively cool thing to lean into, right? As as media and you know what? How do you respond? How do you, you know, respond to a dashboard? How do you respond to the metrics? What you know? How do you how do you identify the bullshit? How do you identify the lies? Right? Because impressions. Yeah, I mean, come on, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, impressions you, are. You know, where do you trust your gut, and where do you distrust your gut, and how do you? Yeah. Say to your, how do you say to your client, if you have, you know, if you're, if you're sharing with clients, like, I know these numbers look amazing, but I don't believe them, you know, say that credibly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, anyway, so I love media. I lo as I mentioned, my philosophy background makes me love strategy, you know, and, and planning. Um, and I, and I, I'm, I'm so obsessed with what, you know, great account services do, mm -hmm. right? Great account services work. I am. And I, I guess I am curious. If somebody is looking at, you know, advertising agency, uh, or an advertising in general, 
what, what would they, what would, what would inspire them to put Lafayette America on their list? Why would they be uh, as a place to work? Yeah, as a place to yeah. work. If they put it on their brief, yeah, that they want I mean, to work I think, with you. Look, I think that it's always a great idea to work for a small, ambitious agency. I think it's, I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, you, you, if you go into a large agency, um, you're going to, there, there are just so many layers of clay to bust through, right? Yeah. And it, it's so easy to disappear unless you're very driven. Um, you know, you're going to get really lousy assignments for three years, right? You're going to be basically, it's going to be all the stuff that's just a little bit better than what AI can do. Um, so yeah, working at large agencies is, I think, kind of tragic. I think that working at um, mid-sized agencies are good. Um, and that, which is basically what Love in American is, uh, you know, small to mid-size, you know, because you can stand out, right? If you're, if you're good and you're ambitious, yep, you know, right. the CEO is going to notice you. Um, if you're good, great and ambitious at Leo Burnett, I don't know if anybody's going to notice you for a while, right? Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, so I think that it's like, you know, you're, you're going to be able to build out a really good book really quickly. Uh, so uh, important. Uh, and uh, it's so important, like, because your book, if, as a student or somebody that's trying to break in, it's got to last you a while, especially if you go to a, a large agency, right? Like you said, you're going to be getting, for the most part, those lower coupon ads, which can have potential to be great, right, Toby? Like, if you work hard, like, you could potentially be good with those brands and, I guess, those low level or... Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, and look, anything can be good, right? Yeah. Any, any assignment is an opportunity to be, to shine and to be great and to put things in, especially now that you're not, you know, you're, now that you're competing with AI, right? Now you have to actually do something where they look at it and go, the robots could not have written this, mm -hmm. um, which is a challenge, but also an opportunity, I think. Uh, but, you know, the other thing I think, the other reason to work at a small mid-sized agency is what we were just discussing, which is, you get to be around the other disciplines and understand the other disciplines and understand how to leverage the strengths of the other disciplines to make your work better. Yeah. Right. And I think being in large agencies, that's just lost, right? That's just like, you don't More you, silo, yeah. you have no idea what media does, right? If you're at a, at a large shop. Yeah. Um, where, whereas if you're at a small shop, you go, you sit down with a media guy and you're like, or gal, you know, and you say mm -hmm. this, this, you know, should be in a digital outdoor board and this is a great space and we could do this with it. Right. And you're, you know, you're actually riffing with the people who are going to be defining where your work shows up. So, you know, it's like, and, and when you're doing that, then you understand how to break the frame. Right. And then, that, that, then you understand how to break through, you know, or you're talking to the account people and you're like, you know, they're going to tell you, but they understand the problem with, with more nuance. And so they're going to actually give you the keys on how to, come up with a creative solution that's going to actually sell, right? Right. Be, you're not going to have that awkwardness in the room where you unveil it and you see the client looking at the account person like, remember we told you yesterday we wanted this, you know? So those lines of communication get shortened. Your book gets sharper. You get a lot more variety too, right? Um, you know, because you're working with, you know, if, if, if you're working at a big shop, you're going to get like, if you're working on Bud Light and you're a junior, you're going to get a, just a ton of Bud Light ads. And it's like, that's only going to take you to one place, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you work with us, you're going to be getting, you know, 
GCFC soccer ads, you're going to be getting Owens Corning B2B ads. You're going to be getting, you know, Merrill shoe ads. I mean, you like the, the range of work that you can then go and, and take and target that other shop, right. is going to be yeah. uh, much better. And they get to work with you. You seem amazing. And maybe they get a cabin invite and. You know, I, I, I you know, if you, if you can get here, I'm, we got a cabin for you. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I love it. I love so, it. Yeah. Any other piece of advice, I guess, Toby, looking back at your career and, uh, I got to know a lot more about you and, and your agency and, uh, your background and working with Lee Clow, anything else like that you want to bring out to the people, let them know as they're embarking on their careers, any other piece of advice you might've thought about today while you were sitting, looking at the beautiful views? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's just a, um, you know, the, 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 there's just a tenacity that, that you need to embrace to really succeed in this business. Right. I mean, I think that there's, you know, a tenacity in terms of interrogating the product. Um, you know, there, there, there's a great line, which is interrogated the product and it will set you free. Hmm. Um, and you know, I think that recognizing that the answer lies within the product and the answer lies within the brand. And that it's your, it's your duty to unlock that, right? It's your duty to, to kind of break the code. It's, it's an escape room game basically. Um, and I think that kind of loving that, lo loving that mission is really a key to, uh, making this, making this industry work for you. Right. And not, and not being kind of not having to suffer it. Um, yeah. And can you get better at that game over time? I mean, absolutely. Right. I mean, there are key questions that you ask when you go in the room, they're key, um, you know, they're, 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 they're kind of just notes that they're like, you know, there's a, a good 20 questions that you can kind of build up to ask any assignment that kind of gets you to the answers. I like that. Cause a lot of times people get overwhelmed or we de it's, it really demystifies the process. Eventually, like you'll get more repetitions of the game. You'll get a better flow of it. That's yeah. promising to hear for our entry-level listeners as well. Yeah. I mean, every solution is different. Mm -hmm. um, just like every, you know, every time you paint a landscape, it's different. It's a different landscape. But, you know, you know what the, you, 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 you size it up. You know what the forms are. You know where you need to dive in. You know where the opportunities are. You, you know, um, you know, and the other thing I would say is that just, you know, avoid the shiny objects, you know, and, and kind of keep focused on the big ideas. Um, you know, I mean, if I, I, I feel, I feel kind of bad for people who are really obsessed about NFTs. Right. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I believe yeah. is a technology is still as a place and it may re resurface, but it's better to be understanding again, what are the, what are the broad philosophical themes and issues and, and where can they apply? I mean, I'm still, a, I'm still a passionate fan of big outdoor boards. I'm still a passionate fan of radio commercials. I think that there are still millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people listening to radio, right? Still yeah. watch television. So, you know, don't kind of be bedazzled by the thing that everybody is talking about this month, because understand that it's in their, it's their industry to talk about the new thing, which is right. not necessarily what, which isn't necessarily reflected by human behavior. And your job is to understand human behavior and understand that people really haven't changed that much, you know, over the millenniums, right. You know, 
uh, people are still carrying bags around with them so they can put berries in them. People are still wearing belts so they can have knives attached to them, right? I mean, we, cha- we, we, we don't change as much as we think we do. And we're still very fascinated by people, right? There's a great um, John Ford, the, the director, you know, had the line, you know, when in doubt, shoot the eyes, right? Show the human eyes because everybody, they really care. They really care about what the human, what, what another person's eyes are doing. Uh, which is so simple and so stupid, but so true, right? Uh, so it's like the fundamentals, lean into the fundamentals, lean into the, 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 the essential human truths, mm-hmm. and the rest will follow, right? I love it. I, th- I found this very fascinating. I'm sure people will have some questions for you, want to connect and learn more about your agency. Uh, how can people reach out to you? What's the best map? Best map? Lines, Toby at LawFateAmerican.com. Perfect. Well, Toby, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know you're in a beautiful place right now, and I I thought this conversation was beautiful. I really do appreciate everything you did here. So I hope we can stay in touch, too. Have a a beautiful rest of your day. Take care. All right. Thanks.